Hey guys, welcome back to Anchored and Devoted. This is Pastor Jer. And Pastor Joseph. <laughs> I've been told that we both have good uh, podcast laughs. Oh, well, that's great because that's about the best thing we got going. <laughs> that's probably not too uh too untrue so well, uh, welcome welcome we are we're super glad that you guys have uh joined back in all all four five six of you now seven just came on that's excellent uh if you wouldn't mind um subscribing to our podcast maybe sharing it with a friend going and uh giving us a rating review wherever you listen to us that would help us out <laughs> with, with, th- with that said um we're we're diving into a heavier topic today even than what we've done before um not because uh you know there are heavy topics that are heavy because of the theological basis when we talk about losing salvation these real questions that people struggle with and wrestle with and there's not necessarily um the most comforting answers when you look at the arguments out there but there are other topics that we're going to wrestle through that have a more existential side to them this is one of them we're talking today about um, suffering and and the term that we're going to use is sufferology we're talking about the theology of suffering the way Mm -hmm. that scripture talks through describes and um, lays out what god's will and plan is for suffering so buckle up, pull out your Bible, maybe get your coffee, possibly a box of tissues. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if Dave or I or both of us <laughs> shed a couple tears this morning. So Dave, uh, first question, I'm going to throw it off to you. Where, where does suffering come from? Oh, um, that's a really big open-ended question, good counseling question. Um, where does suffering come from? It, it um, wow. Um, in every relationship, there is an expectation for certain things. And for the believer, um, in the relationship with God, I think there's an expectation that um, life is to be easy and comfortable and um, filled with nothing but fun. It is to be a joyful life. Um, but that doesn't mean it's full of simply happiness or based off of, you know, a new gift, uh, um, surprising, overwhelming gift from God daily. Um, I, I think suffering comes from, um, expectations that, um, are, um, wow. Expectations that, um, don't match with what God is doing in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. It comes from standing uh, in and on the word of God and living it out in a culture that doesn't like um, things that are true, just to be honest. Um, we see suffering in the Bible um, in many forms from you know, the praises for Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, he suffered well there. Um, yeah. And God blessed. You see his, his boys who were, you know them by their slave names, but his boys being thrown into a furnace and they, they suffered well there and, and God showed out. And, um, and then you have other suffering where it didn't end as well. You look at the disciples, 
Um, not a single one of them is roaming the earth right now. Um, all of them died in different ways. Um, and most of them suffered because of it. Yeah. And so suffering, I, I'd say there are two parts to it. There's the expectation of easy living. And so there's the suffering of that not occurring. <laughs> and then there's the actual suffering for Christ and being different and bearing um, your cross, um, okay. bearing the weight of a new name and new life and new purpose in a world that doesn't embrace your God. So there's okay. two things there. But yeah. Yeah. You got me going in the beginning. I wasn't expecting that one. Um, when you were, when <laughs> you thought of suffering, what, what was your definition? I think that the simplest way to say it would be that suffering is the experience of walking through life as it is not supposed to be. Mm. Um, I like that you talk about expectations, but for me, it goes back to a worldview level of mm -hmm. where do we come from? What's our purpose here? Mm -hmm. What went wrong? Um, when I think about suffering, where it came from, my answer is pretty simple. My, sin is where suffering came from. Yeah. And suffering would, started at the fall i would agree you know um I would, we look at two things in particular uh one god gave adam dominion over the garden before the fall and told him to tend it and keep it after the fall he said now you're there's going to be actual suffering involved in this it's by the sweat of your hands there by the, the labor the, the labor of your hands and the sweat of your brow and thistles coming up against you that you now have to do this work. And for Eve, uh, we were not given a picture of what childbirth would have been like before the fall. But after the fall, God says very specifically, it's going to be in pain that you bring your children forward. And uh, one of the things, and this, is, this, isn't, this isn't theology, this is just kind of me observing the world. A lot of animals give birth and it doesn't seem like they do a whole lot of suffering. Certainly there is suffering that goes on in, in uh, animal birthing. Um, especially when you're talking about domesticated animals. Um, but for the most part, if you, you know, animals have been giving birth for, for a long time and want to, female is ready to give birth she goes off finds a place that's nice and dark and secluded and safe hunkers down maybe makes some noises but not a whole lot pushes out the babies and turns to and starts taking care of them it's not really that way for the human race human race there is suffering involved with childbirth um from the morning sickness in the first trimester all the way through to the labor pains and and then even postpartum, whether it's postpartum depression or postpartum medical issues that follow through, there is suffering that God said is a direct result of the fall. When I think about suffering, though, I go a little bit further than that. And this goes to the one of the classes that you and I took together, I believe, back mm -hmm. in seminary. We talked about um, a theology of counseling. And for a long time, going back even to Martin Luther, suffering was seen sort of in two buckets. There was suffering that was a result of my sin. Mm -hmm. 
And then there was suffering. There was there was a result of the fact that I live in a sinful world. Yeah. Um, you introduced. Yeah. Go ahead. I will say I'll pause. The reason why I laughed is because often we don't view it as our suffering is because of our sin. It's typically other people's suffering is because of their sin. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's true. And I was just reading the other day in um, I think it's John nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in there, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. And you've got the cat who's born blind. And Jesus comes to him and spits in the mud and mm-hmm. rubs on his eyes and heals him. And then the Pharisees are, are asking the guy said, uh, are you the guy that was born blind? He says, yes, I am. And well, how did you get your sight? A man came and made some mud and put it in my eyes and told me to go wash in the pool. And now I have my sight. And the question <laughs> that the disciples ask before this happens is, who who was responsible for this man being born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And you go really. <laughs> it's basically Jesus' response. Like that's, but, that's, that's your question, not the healing, not is there magic in the mud, but <laughs> who sinned? That's like that's such a um, I'm not, you know that's such a seminarian kind of question. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's such a. But, but I think it's a seminary question now because it was a visceral question for most of the pagan world through most of history. Because for most of history, there was a retribution that we that was understood to take place between man and the gods. Correct. I did things right, or the gods were pissed off. Correct. If I, I made the gods happy, then they would do good things to me. If bad things were happening, it was because I screwed up somehow. I didn't do my rain dance well enough. I didn't have sex with the right <laughs> prostitutes. I didn't let the gods see me having enough sex with the right prostitutes. Something happened. I didn't kill my child and give it to the god. Something happened, and I pissed the god off, and now he's making my life and you see that Miserable. you see that in Job, one of, you know, one of the oldest books in the Bible, where his friends were clearly of that mindset. Like you messed up, let us help you, Job. We we know God is good, so it's got to be your fault. You know, the reason why you're suffering is one where at least right now you're not being humble enough and just confessing your sin. And second, like, dude, whatever you did, you need to stop it because all of your stuff is gone. Um, so <laughs> this is your fault. Um, yes. And so the suffering that we see in that book is often one presented as um, first, let's just be honest, because we can see the full story, we cheat. We don't acknowledge the oh, for sure of the suffering. Like we, we skip straight to the end and miss that this wasn't a, a one hour thing. Like he was his family all died. His wife told him, you know, just curse God and die. And he's covered in, you know, all this crazy stuff and cutting his hair. And his friends tell him you messed up like this all isn't happening within an hour. And then God shows up and restores. And then we walk off praising the Lord because it's a Sunday message. This yeah, we read life. it that way because the book is so long that we actually skip most of the middle. <laughs> oh, we, uh, again, it's one of those things that our culture doesn't embrace the reality there is something to learn in the suffering in our culture we embrace comfort so we want to look at suffering as a bad thing it has to be that something was wrong if you're suffering and you were just hinting at it and just stating that that's not true that when it came to the blind person who jesus healed which was the main part that jesus healing (laughs) that god is moved he made it clear 
this is something so that God could be glorified. Wow. And that, that right there is, you know, <laughs> something yeah. that we should be able to celebrate, even though this person, but we got, we got to hit the brakes on that. I mean, we got to hit the brakes on that okay. hard. I mean, as believers, because that goes right back to the purpose of the book of Job as well. The purpose of Job's suffering was that God would be glorified That's through it. Job's suffering. So, so I look at suffering to go back to answering this question. I've been taking a long time to answer now. <laughs> suffering comes from the fall. It's a result of sin. It's either because I'm suffering because of the sin I've committed or I'm suffering because I live in a broken, sinful world. However, mm -hmm. the purpose of suffering is to draw men to the comfort of God. Correct. And to glorify, to bring God glory through their suffering. Mm -hmm. And then as a, as a benefit, to strengthen and mold the believer more into the image of Christ through that refining process that only happens in suffering. So that we are changed to be more like Christ as God is glorified in that. Which is, you know, it, you've already said this, but it that kind of takes a backhand to the idea that as Christians, we should be overcoming and we should have our best life now. Yes, that was a direct poke. <laughs> we should be manifesting and claiming the things that are in heaven as if they are now going to be on earth because there's no suffering in heaven. Therefore, I shouldn't be suffering now. Um, Jesus was really clear with the disciples. The slave is not greater than the master. If they hated me and if I've suffered, they're going to hate you and you're going to suffer. And, and know that the suffering in many cultures is considered a good thing. It's not, again, something to be avoided. We see Jesus suffering in the garden. We see him suffering on the cross. We see, honestly, him suffering with humanity just the, the day to day. Yeah, for this sure. God, for perfect, sure. Perfect, holy, being around men. Like, again, I would have written it differently, but he's engaging out of love. And the hope is that if there is an issue in your life that has, you know, a sin issue, the suffering will cause you to repent and return to him. And we see this in the Old Testament often where people have done things wrong oh, yeah. and the community is punished. The individual is punished. You know, the family is punished. Um, you know, don't go burying stuff under your tent. That's a hint. Um, it's it's one of those um, things that our culture has impressed upon us so greatly that reflecting upon our life and our actions is something that is just like the rearview mirror. It should only take up limited um, bandwidth, you know, when things go wrong. <laughs> not not something that I need to check in with often when I look at God or at the end of my day to pray and examine my steps, my words, my heart, and to to be honest, to be transparent, to be in relationship. Yeah. Job was abundantly clear that that's what he wanted. That there was a mistake. I need to get before God. Um, that is often not the heart of individuals that are in sin and are suffering, which is different than someone who's very much like Job in faith, following God, and knows that this suffering isn't warranted. This isn't something yeah. that I've done. And that goes to the expectation of the relationship. And my hope today is that we pop that bubble so you don't have that expectation and you're able right. to walk in the midst of suffering knowing right. that this is an opportunity to grow. This yeah. isn't 
um, you know, something to flee, but this is an opportunity to grow. Um, yeah. Right. 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 So there's, there's three different, there's a matrix I like to think through with, with something that, that is this all encompassing. And there's, it's basically three separate questions. Where does suffering come from? What is the purpose of suffering? And what is the end of suffering? We've talked about where it comes from. It's sin. We've named several, and I don't think we've exhausted that list of what the purposes of suffering are. The purposes of suffering are to glorify God, to draw people to dependence on God, um, really to pull them into towards real relationship with God, where they're mm -hmm. truly dependent on Him, and to change us into the image of Christ. Um, so the third one is, what is the end of suffering? And th that question really is, does suffering have an end? Is that a question for me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has an end. <laughs> we know it does. See, I would yeah. say yes and no. Well, see, I would say yes. Well, suffering, okay. Nah, see? Okay. see? okay, you're playing with me again. Um, so for the believer, and my assumption is always for the believer, um, the suffering will end. Um, for the non-believer, the suffering will not only not end, it'll amp up. Um, so for the believer, you know, stepping into the presence of God, being made whole, um, we get new bodies, uh, we go to a new space and place with him, um, mm -hmm. and there's no suffering there. No more tears, no more crying. It's yeah. perfection um, to be with um, a, you know, a God who is so infinite, he exists outside of time, so perfect that he holds all wisdom, love joy i mean that's just mind-boggling and to know that right. you get to relate not play harps and play soccer on clouds but actually use the stuff that we've done here on earth as a stepping stone into eternity um that the gifts he's given us will continue on that you know um that we'll be able to relate to those that have gone before us that i mean that's huge i'll be able to ask all my dumb questions about did adam have a belly button and you know, can I watch creation from the back row? And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, right. I'll be quiet. Right. Um, like, you know, all those things. And then there's still an infinite amount of time to just just be and to laugh and to enjoy. And I, I you know, I know it's going to be amazing as well as just being overwhelmed with the worship. The music, I'm sure, is going to be a blast and everyone understands. Off the chain, yeah. yeah, I mean, so there's no suffering there. Sorry, I was getting lost. Um, no, I love it. I love it because <laughs> it's, it's good to, I mean, it's, it's good to, because the point that you're getting around to and the point that I was, you know, I wasn't trying to set you up, but I do want us to, to wrestle through is suffering is a result of the presence of sin. Mm -hmm. So before there was sin, there was no suffering because in the presence of God, there is no sin in the presence of God. There is joy forevermore. That, that's what the, but you have these two different presences. There's a presence of God and then there's the presence of sin and where sin is, there is suffering. And if you remove the presence of God from the presence of sin, what you have is unrestrained suffering, right. which is unfortunately the end for many people, which is what one of the reasons I want to talk about it, because it should animate and motivate us as believers in how we respond to the current suffering of people looking forward to their end knowing that there is only one way that they can experience the relief that they're looking for. Because right now we live kind of in the middle period Correct. where there's a Venn diagram of presence of God and presence of sin. 
And the presence of God restrains much of the suffering that could happen. Mm -hmm. As bad as the Holocaust was, as bad as dropping Fat Boy and Little Man were in terms of devastation, that suffering was restrained by the presence of God. Which is, which is wild to think of that you'll get a new body in hell that is meant for burning or being able to receive and endure pain. Um, you know, that, that is, you're, you get a body for suffering. Like that's, that's wild to know that as you stated, those things that have occurred in human history that were atrocious, you didn't have a body for suffering. Um, you, you didn't have the, that distance from God where God, um, has partitioned you away from himself, um, and his grace and, um, those things he's put into place to restrain the true um, brokenness that will be seen in hell. I'm going to be honest. I had a conversation with my son yesterday about hell because we were talking about, you know, trusting in him versus not trusting in him. And one of the the tough things is you're not trying to win your child to Christ by telling them only about hell. (laughs) So it's not really a relationship outside of just pure fear. Um, but you're trying to get him to understand, at least I am, um, that there is an opportunity for a new type of life that is fearless because you get to be full of faith and the spirit of God. And that, and that is what should motivate us to challenge those who do not have a relationship with him now. Is that is that is that faithfulness, that love, that spirit of God within us? But if we aren't in tune, if we aren't um, willing to be patient or even willing to slow down, um, one of the things that I've learned um, about suffering is that um, most people aren't willing to care until they've gone through something themselves. And sure. um, unfortunately, there's not an option for that for hell. There's no, I went and tasted it and came back and was like, okay, now I'm really on fire and I can tell my family, you don't. Terrible, terrible your- pun you made there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, again, we don't practice this stuff. Um, please send us good mail to <laughs> Anyway. Um, there isn't that ability. So you only get the taste of God's restraining grace when it comes to the foolishness of men, the wickedness of men, the evil in men's heart um, being explored and promoted um, Mm -hmm. upon others. And often we view them as others. So it means we don't get to the space of caring. Um, and so when it comes to suffering, if I don't know the person, I don't really care. Like it's, it's one of those things where, um, I think we even started one of the earlier podcasts I mentioned, um, the Syrian refugees that messed me up, like just seeing the photos and then refugees from many other countries in Africa. Um, I mean, just country after country and seeing boat after boat and then seeing people popping boats and, 
you know, um, forcing people to turn around and then flipping them on the shore and other stuff. And then when that, this little kid passed, well, I'll never forget. And that was on the front of the Washington Post. It was just like, okay, this is someone who bears the image of God. It's easy to become callous because it's so far away. Right. But when you start talking about kids, it makes it really easy to now care. My concern for us is that we should care for adults as well as seniors the same way because they used to be babies. So they used to be cute. (laughs) And more importantly, they still are of infinite worth. And so as they are suffering, I am suffering too. It's just a question whether I choose to acknowledge it. Because if I allow their worth to be less, my worth is less also. I need to love like I've been loved. And that's a radical, full, overwhelming type of love that allows you to journey with people that are suffering, not try and redefine their suffering for yourselves. And it's often what we see in the church. Individuals want to, as you stated, name it and claim it because they're uncomfortable with it. That's not what we see when it comes to Jesus's suffering to the point where he told his disciple, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Like You you don't get to define the suffering that I have to go through. And God has a plan. The question is, can I trust God with the plan? And as I love this individual, can I suffer with them? Can I journey with them? Not just tell them God will make it better. Um, it's hard. Um, most people, you know, um, will pull certain scriptures and then want to give those to individuals that are suffering as though it's the antidote. And they'll even challenge you on your faith. Um, do you believe enough for God to move? And it's like, are you kidding me? God didn't need me to build the earth. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? My God can do whatever he wants. That's my God. He speaks and it happens. Yes, I believe. And I even believe enough that if I didn't believe enough, I know he could still do it. <laughs> like, like, it's not upon me. I, I, I have the faith and I can even ask for more because I know where to go because I have a real relationship. But the reality is, is my response in the suffering based out of fear or is it based out of love? Because if it's based in love, then what do I have to fear for the believer? You, you don't get the healing you're asking for. So what is the worst thing that can happen? You go to heaven? That doesn't sound like a loss. If anything, that sounds like a gain. <laughs> but that's, that's hard to accept. And then there are so many things in our life that we're tethered to that make it so you want everyone to stay where they are. To stay in um, their role. So, um, can you trust God with the stuff that is his? When we look at Job, we see that all of his kids were taken. They didn't get lost. It's not play. (laughs) They didn't fall into whatever. It doesn't say they sinned. There was no instant rapture. It sounded like winds came from everywhere and buildings collapsed on them. So this doesn't sound like an easy death either. Let's just be honest. Yes, it wouldn't have been years of passing away, but it, it doesn't sound as though they jumped on fiery chariots and were taken to heaven. Job loses his children. 
And he's now got to walk this out as far as loving God and his friends are ones that don't encourage him when they share. They encourage him when he's, when they're silent, that's the best encouragement they give. And that's hard for most believers. Um, Because as we started this episode, we want um, you to be able to live your best life now. And I know there are certain pastors that would be upset, like, you know, you are supposed to have a great life. And God says he reigns on the just and the unjust. So I I have no disagreement with if you live in an affluent area and you went to school and God's blessed you, that's great. But your life is more than that. it's not simply what you can get out of this go round because that's not what it is. If anything, we're called to be like rivers of life, living rivers where we let things come into our life and we add to them, make them better because of what Christ has done in our life. And we let it move on where we flow into other people's lives. We, we are a blessing, not just seek to be and have the blessing. Yes. It's, yeah. I don't know. I was rambling. I don't know where you even started, and I just know we went. You're good. <laughs> I, I've shared some of my story here in the podcast before. My blindness, the limitations put on me, the things that's stolen from me. I carry... I have a tattoo on my blind side, the shoulder on my blind side that says, Through Christ I See. And that tattoo is a reminder to me. Not when I am feeling good. It's a reminder to me when I am suffering. It's a reminder to me when the pain of the loss is the, is <clears throat> the most sharp It's a reminder when I'm suffering a new and unexpected loss as a result of this suffering. And when there are other sufferings completely unrelated to my eyes that I'm walking through. The reason that Dave and I want to talk about this is suffering is real. We're all going to go through it. And there's going to be a way that we answer the experience of suffering in our own lives. And the way that we answer the experience of suffering in someone else's life, believer and Mm non-believer. Thinking through ahead of time, where does suffering come from? What are the purposes of suffering? And what is the end of suffering informs and shapes the way that we respond ourselves when we're going through suffering. And when we're responding to other people who are going through suffering. Job's friends, this is a freebie. So listen up, especially pastors. Job's friends did their best counseling when they didn't say anything. Um, If that silence felt uncomfortable, rewind the podcast and practice that. (laughs) I'm serious about that. I've seen and I've experienced a lot of people who when they walk into someone who is suffering, their response is to start speaking into it. Or even worse, oftentimes talking about their own suffering historically, which is not what Job (laughs) needed. It's not what I needed. It's not what Dave needs. Yeah. 
without a doubt. When we're suffering, what we need is to know that there's another warm body next to us that cares about us because it's most likely in that moment, the warm body that we wish was right next to us, we can't feel because he's in heaven. Mm. And we need to be reminded that even though we can't physically touch him, his love is still there. His eyes are still on us. His power is still great. His heart is still towards us. Mm. And there needs to be a time for the person who is suffering to react to it before they respond to it. Look, when, when you burn yourself, your first action is typically not the smartest action. <laughs> uh, okay, your first action is probably to pull away from the heat. Okay, so that, that's smart. But I'll talk about mine. My first reaction when I burn myself is to start flapping my hand around as if by swinging my hand around, I'm going to somehow stop the pain. And I've had to learn through practice that when I burn myself, the first thing I should do is grab that burn site and cover it and hold it. Because I've found that when I hold that burn site until the pain starts to subside, it hurts a whole heck of a lot less for the next day. When I leave it uncovered, for whatever reason, it continues hurting for a lot longer. That's reaction response. When we're going through suffering, there is a reaction of anger, of despair, of despondency, of apathy, of fear that is real. And that as Christians, we need to stand firmly with the person who's going through that and not start chastising them because they're not showing faith or trusting God. To, to, to do the opposite, to start chastising someone because they are reacting to suffering, is to deny the humanity of man and to deny the humanity of Christ. Christ literally suffered. And it wasn't because he didn't have enough faith or enough power or enough belief or enough anything else. He suffered because he was living in the world in the presence of sin. And his suffering was for the purpose of glorifying his father. And his father, he told his disciples this in John 15, because he's glorified his father, his father will glorify him. And that glorifying was in the resurrection. The resurrection could only happen because first there was a suffering and a death. We, Dave and I, you know, our backgrounds are in counseling. Our vocations is as pastors. We have worked with people and walked with people a lot, and we haven't gotten it right all the time. And we'll get it wrong in the future, but we want this episode in particular to be an encouragement to all who hear it to be able to walk firmly knowing that the love of God extends to you in your deepest suffering. And for the believer, your suffering is for a purpose mm. and it will come to an end and God will glorify you as you go through it. You know, we, we, we say this not as people who don't know suffering. We do. Um, it's it's real, it's hard, um, but it is something, again, where God's supposed to get the glory. And um, for those who aren't suffering, they should view this as almost a grieving process. And you hit on some of that, Jer, where 
you know, there are stages of recognizing loss and accepting it and then going over it again and very much like the loss of a loved one. But those, you know, the more distant you are from that individual, the um, less it hurts as time moves on. Um, yeah. But the closer you are to that individual, it, it, it takes seasons and often years to recover. And so know that for someone who's going through um, something heavy and tough, um, you know, whether it be the suffering of a loss of a child, whether it be a cancer diagnosis, whether it be, um, you know, the loss of a limb. Um, right. or an illness that just won't seem to find a name and the doctors can't seem to figure it out. Um, that suffering is um, not lost to God. And um, for those loving them, give them the space to grieve the loss of the expectations, the, the things, the dreams, the, the, the now realignment as to, okay, how do I live? in light of what God has placed upon me because he knows I can handle it, right? He won't give me this, right? Why can I handle it? Because I have him. And so in my suffering, I need to draw close, not push away, but draw close to him. And I need to do what I've been created to do. And that's hard in the midst of suffering. Yes, Um, it is. In my culture, it's one of those things where when we're suffering, we love to sing and we love to worship. And so I want to encourage you um, that that's part of glorifying God to worship him. It doesn't mean that you have to even feel like it right now. <laughs> it's, it's put the song on, you know, put the headset on, sit there and remember the things that God has done, that God has allowed yeah. you to see, to, to, you know, to count your blessings and understand that, yes, I'm not in a good space, but I know that God loves me. In the midst of suffering, to doubt God then is not the space to be. You need to have had your track record cemented um, so that you know um, and don't have to worry about what God is doing. You just know he is doing and you can trust him with that. That, yes. I mean, that's, that's huge. It's, yeah, it is. it's hard, but give yourself the space and grace to pray honestly with God. You can share your frustrations. You can cry. You can, you can laugh. Um, you can ask for new visions and dreams as far as, you know, what you are to do with what you're going through. Um, because it isn't something that can't be used by others as well as um, it will be used by God. Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's real to be in a space where you are suffering and you feel alone. Um, if you are in that space, please reach out, um, <clears throat> you know, reach out to a local community in your church, reach out to us, reach out to a counselor. Um, you need a space that's safe where you can share. Um, I mean, Jared and I know each other. He does that for me. It doesn't have to be someone you pay. It, it just needs to be someone that will keep your confidence and you can not have to guard your heart and say dumb stuff. <laughs> and the same is true with God. He can handle it if you're angry and want to yell at him. Like he can handle it. That's not <laughs> a blasphemy. Um, that's, you know, 
person at him, we can talk about that later, but that's not what we're talking about. He can handle your feelings and um, the, the things that you're struggling with. Um, yes. He can handle that. Um, suffering well. That's it, exactly. Is, That's what I've been hearing. Yeah, is, is one of those things where we are called to do it. We see it in the, the church and the Bible. We see it in the church in many other countries where the church is under oppression um, by the government. In our space and place, we typically think of suffering as a physical thing. Know that it isn't a mistake. It isn't a thing that God wants for you. And it doesn't always mean that you sinned. If you have, repent, return. Know that God can restore. Know that he can restore in five years, ten years. He can, but know that restoration also might mean being heaven, being in heaven. And that's, that's hard to know that when we look at Job and look at his kids, I can be angry that their lives were taken if I use that vocabulary as opposed to saying, no, they all beat Job to heaven. <laughs> right? Like, they all, they all won. If, if they were believers, they all won. They just won first. Like, they were there early. They, they beat him by a number of years. And that's not a bad thing, but it's a very hard thing to wrestle with when you have yeah. a close relationship with those individuals as Job did. Yes. And so being able to end the suffering, and this doesn't happen instantly. This might take months and even years. So be patient with people and be patient with yourself. But being able to get back to that God perspective of God has me here to do something, so I'm not done yet. So even as I go to the hospital for treatments, I can share my faith with the doctors and nurses and view it as an opportunity to witness here that I wouldn't have done before. As yeah. I go and talk to the surgeon that I'm interviewing, I can go and share again. The reason why I'm here is that God loves you. Yes, we're here to work on my broken vessel, but that's a losing game. I already know that, <laughs> right? Like it's broken. We're going to try our best, but ultimately I'm going to heaven and I would like you to go as well. Have you heard about my savior? Um, this is what it means to suffer well. And yes, it takes time, but don't allow for individuals that you love who are suffering um, to stay focused on self. And that's often what our culture encourages. It encourages us to um, to quit our jobs, to fall back, and to wallow in self-pity. And that, that's not what we're called to do. That isn't suffering well. Um, I get it. I understand it. And there might be a need for a break. I get that. Um, but know that God has you from the doctors you pick, the surgeons you interact, the treatments you take. God has you. You don't, you don't need to fret about everything. You need to make sure that in those moments, you're able to glorify, that you're able to, to really um, lean in knowing that with God, we're going to take this on. And worst case scenario, you make me better for a while and I hang around a little bit longer and <laughs> I get to disciple you. Best case scenario, you know what? Let's just be real. 
Again, don't like to look at it that way because I'm human and broken. But the best case scenario is that I do get to go see my maker and I get to enjoy the beauty and amazingness that he has planned for us. It's, it's hard, but it's real. And I think we should be encouraged um, when we're going through suffering that this is an opportunity for growth and not miss the moment. Not look at every valley as um, an obstacle to get to a mountaintop, but it is part of the space and place to build relationship with Christ, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. That's what it means to suffer well. And that's why we want to sit down and talk through it today, because suffering is going to happen. And the purpose for suffering, the goal for the Christian is to suffer well, to finish the race, regardless of how hard or how long or how short, to cross the finish line, knowing that every step has been run, and then being able to enter into the rest, knowing that the purpose here is that God would be glorified. Uh, Again, Dave and I have experienced, we have seen countless examples of people who are suffering well. Our encouragement, our exhortation, our cry to everyone here is suffer well. The fact that you're suffering is a reflection of the fact that you were made for heaven. Don't miss heaven because the suffering in this life made you doubt God. That would be a tragedy. He loves you. He wants you to turn to him. He has everything you need. You can trust him. While you do suffer well. <laughs>